going to grab your attention again. Give that last high five. And encourage. And as we continue today with the persecuted church, it's my joy to, to introduce you to Dr. Hormoz Sharat. He was born into Iran into a Muslim family. And through the Iran Revolution in 1979, he came to the United States. And while he was a student at the University of Southern California, um, he came to Christ in faith. He pursued his degrees there in uh, computer engineering, and he was able um, just to begin to dive in. And then in part of your testimony you're going to hear from him is um, through the tragic loss of his brother, he came to faith. And it's because of that that he's devoted his life and his ministry to making sure the nations that are, are rooted in Islam have a clear presentation of the gospel. In 2001, he started Iran Alive, and through the satellite and through websites and through radio broadcasting, they're able to interject the gospel message into Iran for believers to hear it and to be lifted up and encouraged and for the lost to have the, their eyes illuminated. Some of the neat things that's happening that I've, I've just been thrilled to read and even learn, I'd encourage you to stop by their table afterwards, is it's not just about the gospel proclamation into Iran for them. They have figured out a method and a model of ministry that not only brings the gospel, but it allows the person who receives it in faith to be nurtured, and to grow in their faith as a disciple, to learn that balance of when to share their faith, but ultimately to multiply their faith. And through the work that they are doing, they are seeing churches planted, disciple makers made, and the gospel continuing to spread through Iran. So this morning, as we've brought your attention to the persecuted church, we also wanted to welcome Dr. Hamaz up here for the morning. Thank you. We're looking forward to it, and I'd encourage you to connect with them this while they're at the table as well today. Yes, thank you. Thank you. I've been praying for this moment for several years. I met Brother Aaron several years ago, and we had uh, coffee together, and we got to know. And I've been praying, God, I love the heart in this church. Would you allow me to come and connect and serve? So this is an answer to my prayer to be here. Yes, and I was born as a Muslim in the uh, year of 79, at the time of revolution. I was on the streets of Tehran. Um, um, should I share that? <laughs> I'm sharing that to ask for your forgiveness because I was there at, uh, shouting, death to America, death to America. <laughs> and I want to assure you, I've changed my mind since then. <laughs> and uh, I, I sing God bless America today. And I mean it. Sometimes I feel people like me who are born outside America and come here, sometimes I feel we love America more than some of the Americans themselves. I'm, I know you, you'll, I'm not talking about you, but I hear some people bad-mouthing America. It grieves my heart. This is the best country in the world. It is. So I came to Christ in, as a student in Southern California. I was uh, comparing Quran and the Bible, because I said, you know, Islam is the last religion, it's the most complete religion. I want to be a good Muslim, so I read Quran. But as an intellectual, I said, I'm going to read other books too before I make my final decision. So I got a Bible, compared 
as an intellectual, I was thinking, all religions are the same. Why are they fighting among themselves? If you really study, all religions are the same. So, but the, the more I studied Quran and the Bible, I re realized they don't converge, they diverge. And both cannot be true. For several months, I was struggling. I wanted to read the whole Bible. I said, uh, I read Quran, but I said, Bible has nothing for me. Let me, just for my intellectual pride, let me read it. And people, when they ask me, have you read the Bible? I said, yes, I have written, read the Bible. So that was my motivation, pride. So um, I thought, okay, I won't find anything in the Bible. And I was, uh, I was working on this, finding God, 12 to 16 hours a day. I was in my home. And uh, I, I didn't have any classes with the summer. I was just focusing. Well, who is this God? Where is this God? So I thought I'm going to read the whole Bible in three days. I said, I'm just going to read, read really fast. I don't find, I'm not going to find anything new, but I, I, I can't tell people later. Yeah, I've read the Bible. So I get to, I, I read the Genesis. And then I said, let me read the New Testament. I go to Matthew. And uh, I wanted to re read the whole Bible in three days. Three months later. I'm in Matthew 5, Matthew 6, <laughs> struggling with who is this Jesus? Who is this Jesus? I came to U.S. for graduate studies. I remember uh, on streets of Tehran saying, death to America, death to America. But in my heart was saying, not yet. I want to go there, get my PhD. <laughs> so <laughs> by his grace, I went to Southern California and... With questions, I went to Church of the Open Door. That's where J. Vernon McGee was the previous pastor. That's where I heard the gospel. Simple message. And I realized I'm making it too complicated. Sometimes I think the scientists, engineers, our job is to make things complicated. So it was such a simple message. And it changed my life. It's a simple message that even child can understand. But it changed my life. It healed my marriage. And I saw the power of it to transform lives, marriages, and even a society. That's why I said, it's so selfish that I keep this message to myself. Even though I'm a very shy, introvert, engineer type, I was more comfortable with the books than people. Something in me said, no, don't keep it to yourself. You got to share that with others. So with sweaty hands and uh, shaky hearts, I would force myself to tell others about Jesus. And I realized... It's not me. It's the power of the gospel that changes lives. I just have to speak it. I remember visiting people in their homes and, uh, again, shy, my head down. And I was just uh, taken, I had taken evangelism explosion. How many of you know what it is? It's an evangelism course. And I was just reciting my lesson. Okay, people are sitting there. I don't care about them. I just want to do my lesson, okay? And I was just reciting and all that. And, uh, and uh, if you were to die tonight, would you know, where'd you go and what would you say? And, uh, and do you want to receive Christ? All, all reciting. Hardly ever looked at them. And I would just share the gospel. And at the end, do you want to receive Christ? I was just reviewing my outline. And do you want to receive Christ? I would hear many of Many times, yes. Yes? Really? <laughs> I was just reciting my lesson. And it's the power of the gospel. And that power of the gospel is penetrating Islamic world. And nothing, spirit of Islam, spirit of darkness cannot overcome the light. Our job is to share the truth. Don't worry. Love them. You know, speak the truth in love. 
we got to love Muslims and share the truth. The rest the Lord does. So started churches there uh, in California. Then God opened a satellite venue. We bought one hour of satellite television. And the moment we went on the air, we got so many people, phone calls coming in. Our switchboard on the live program was just a Christmas tree. Just calling, calling. And people would, we're so open. Muslim, Iranian Muslims were so open. And we would lead the people to Christ day and night, day and night, day and night. I remember it wasn't unusual to wake up 3 in the morning because it's afternoon in Iran. Okay, they don't realize there's a time change. There, there is a time difference. So they would call like 3 a.m. You pick up the phone. You lead somebody to Christ. You go back to sleep. That, that was just happening, and it's happening even more today. I want to share some truth about Iran. I, I want to shock you first, inform you, and hopefully encourage you, because God is working in the Middle East, and Iran as a nation is open. Did you know Iran, Islam is experiencing its greatest defeat in its history in Iran? Millions of Iranians are done, finished with Islam. They don't consider themselves Muslim. They're Muslims by name, but not by practice, not by heart. Did you know Christianity has more credibility and respect in Iran than Islam today? When I read people's blogs, because that's my job to be informed of where the society in Iran are, I read blogs, and not Christian blogs. I, I read Muslims and all different types of blogs, and I see Muslims. I'm not talking about Christians. Muslims talking about Islam in Iran very negative. They badmouth Islam. They badmouth the government. They badmouth Quran and Islam and even Prophet Muhammad. They're badmouthing. And they're called Muslims by, by birth. And the same person, when they start talking about Christ is so positive, Christianity. Who is this Christ is full of love, forgiveness. This is the work of God. That's why Iran has the fastest growing evangelical population in the world. Did you know that? It's not me saying, it's an independent research done showing it's 19.6% growth per year. Iranians are, Muslim Iranians are coming to Christ. There is a special move of God in Iran. People who go to Iran, how many of you know Ken Pfeiffer? Some of, the, some of you may know, okay, the old timers. Uh, he went to Iran and he brought so many pictures. This is one of his pictures. He was saying, I went to mosques, and any mosque I visited, there were not people worshiping, doing their prayers. He said, this is a mosque. All the prayer mats are there. The call to worship is there. But where are the worshipers? One or two back there are doing their prayers. Iranians are not going to mosques. Mosques are empty. Not only not going, they have started putting fires to mosques. I'm not talking about Christians. These are Muslims by birth who are burning mosques overnight. There is a rejection of Islam you've never seen. People of Iran are saying Islam is not our solution. It's our problem. Actually, there is a new movement that's militants against Islam. These people are saying, if we want to have a future for Iran, we have to destroy Islam. They want to get rid of it. Now, rejection of Islam makes them open to all kinds of stuff. But the number one attraction for them is Christianity. 
If we share Jesus, there is no competition. If we don't, they are attracted to all kinds, like Eastern religion, anything but Islam. Whoever gets to them first gets their heart because it's empty. It's open. They, they're hungry. They're looking. Islam is out of question. What else is out there? And it's your job and my job. Just say, there is Jesus. There is life change. There is grace. There is salvation. Now, Iran is closed. They have closed all the building churches. Being a Christian is dangerous. They have closed house churches. Being in a house church is the greatest offense. Did you know that? If, if you're a Christian in Iran and they get arrested and you can prove I'm not a part of any network, any house church, they usually let you go. But if they sense you participated in a house church, or if you are a part of a network, torture. Why? So you can give the names of your upper higher-ups, your peers. They are afraid of Christians getting together. They canceled all those churches five years ago, the building churches. And the greatest offense is to be a part of church. They have five, ten years. Ten years. For what? Because you went to a house church. Ten years, and they're putting people in jail. Sometimes I feel that the enemy believes in the power of us getting together more than we do. How powerful it is, Christians getting together and being connected to God and being connected to, to each other. Now, how do we get there? No missionaries allowed. No building. No gathering. Gathering in the name of Jesus, even a small gathering. Four or five people in your home is dangerous. How do we get there? I'm glad you asked. It's the, uh, using the satellite, using the technology. We are in the world of technolo technological warfare. Through internet, through all, to satellite. We, God is using technology to penetrate the close countries just like Iran. One is satellite. The satellite is important because the internet is very much controlled in those countries. But satellite cannot be controlled. The signal is coming from the sky. And if you just have a little dish in the backyard pointing towards the heavens, so symbolic, do you receive? <laughs> you receive the message. And people of Iran, almost every family has a satellite dish. This is a, this is a picture every family. And by the way, having a satellite dish is illegal. So these are law-abiding <laughs> citizens of Iran. And sometimes they enforce it, but recently they have not enforced it. Why? Because even the government officials and their families have one. This is just normal part of life. They, nobody watches the government channels. They're sick and tired of these mullahs. They don't want They just switch. Why do they watch satellite television? Not just because of Christianity. They, it's a connection to the outside world. They watch it to watch movies, news, sports, and also spiritual food. They're seeking. And that's where we come. We provide them with them. A message that there has no competition. Sometimes I feel the satellite dish are the national flower of Iran. Because you see them everywhere. You go into, uh, you know, outside the country here is nomad. They have, they have satellite dish. They don't have running water. They, the electricity, they have generators, whatever. They, they're watching. And you, it, through satellite, we can go to those tents and look at their eyes, eye to eye. Tell them, Jesus loves you. Can you? Believe that power of media in their living room, loving them and they sense. You know, when I, when I speak on, on the air, I pray, God, give me a heart for them. 
Sometimes I even cry on the air. It's not me. It's Jesus crying for them. And just think, being isolated in your room, desperate, hungry, spiritually, and here somebody comes to your living room, looks at your eyes with tears, say, I love you and Jesus loves you. Wouldn't that touch your life? So many people are being saved through media in Iran. I want to, as an example, I want to share the story of Rogishi. We have live broadcasts and the people can call in. And here is one of the calls. Rogi was a Muslim. She had attempted suicide a week ago. And she said, accidentally, I watched your program. And then she called. <laughs> خداوند تو رو به این لحظه آورده تا تو رو نجات بده امشب اولا میخوام اینو بدونی قبول کردن مسیر رد کردن خدا نیست اتفاقا قبول کردن خداست همون خدای یکتایی که باورداری همونه که اومده تو رو نجات بده نه ترس روح ترس از خدا نیست خدا باباته و امشب میخواد دختر خودش رو در آغوش بگیره امشب میخواد عشقاتو پاک کنه امشب میخواد زندگی تازه بهت بده آیا خودتو در آغوش همچین پدری میخوای امشب بندازی بگی دیگه من به دین و مذهب و اینو کار ندارم خداوند و خودتو میخوام خداوند و نجاتتو میخوام و زندگی تازه به من بده میخوای امشب تولد تازه پیدا کنی؟ میخوای؟ اگر آمادهش هستی با من دعا کن آماده هستی؟ با من دعا کن این جملاتو از ته قلب بگو به خود خدا بگو من هدایتت میکنم بگو خداوند را میدونم من رو دوست داری بگو با صدای بلند بگو من هم تو رو دوست دارم بیا و امشب مرا نجات بده تو رو شکر میکنم به خاطر من آمدی گناهان من رو بخشیدی از امشب آمین بگو از امشب دختر تو هستم و تو پدر من آمین 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 تو رو شکر میکنم مرا پذیرفتی گذشته مرا پاک کردی 
و شکر میکنم برای آینده روشنی که در تو دارم عیسی مسیح مرا عوض کن به نام عیسی مسیح آمین آمین هللویا تو چون خواستی امشب دختر خ... آمین هللویا با خداوند راه برو یک کتاب مقدس برات میفرستیم بخون و مثل یه بچه بخور و بذار رشد کنی تموم شد دیروز تو تموم شد دیشب تو تموم شد روز تازه ای تو زندگیت شروع شده و این روز با بابات دیگه تنها نیستی دیگه بیکس نیستی خداوند پدرت باهات هست خداوند با تو بلکه در تو هست تو دیگه تنها نیستی با خداوند زندگی کن آمین آمین تو رو به خداوند میسپارم و میدونم به دستای خوب کسی میسپارم هللویا ماموریتت یادت نره آنچه که امشب گرفتی مال دیگران هم هست عزیزی هللویا Did, did you notice did you notice she was crying in the beginning and she was crying at the end but there are two types of cry beginning was a cry of desperation and hopelessness that the end was a cry of joy transformation within a few minutes that's what God is doing he has prepared these hearts sometimes I feel Jesus telling us hey guys What else can I do? I've done everything. I've died on the cross for these people. I've opened their hearts. I'm appearing to them with visions, dreams. I do miracles for them. What else? You do your part. You shared my gospel, and I will save them. Can you do that? Can we do that? Can we be the, the mouthpiece for the Lord? Because he's doing it. I've seen so many visions, uh, dreams, and miracles. I don't know your theology, and I'm not here to... talk about theology i'm here to just report jesus jesus he loves them he appears to them i'm going to share just one story here uh, i had a live uh, broadcast this man called and uh, I, i'm trying to imitate his voice so he was saying pastor almost he had no emotions monotone pastor almost i had liver problem three months ago i called you you prayed for me And my liver was healed. My doctor said, you don't need any operation. You don't even need medicine. So I was excited. Oh, hallelujah. Jesus heals. Jesus heals. You know, and, and uh, he continued. And then I started praying for others. I had a friend who had cancer. I prayed for him, and his cancer was healed. hallelujah on my side Jake excited on his side was no no emotion oh Jesus heals cancers I know I want to share this I don't call myself televangelist healer no no I just want to love people and share the gospel the rest is Jesus I have no claim on this and sometimes people ask me to pray okay I pray and sometimes God does miracles sometimes he doesn't so it's up to him so so he said then, then he continued I have then I had a relative she had a brain tumor and I prayed for her and the tumor was gone oh hallelujah Jesus heals cancer Jesus heals tumors and so a few minutes of her his monotone 
testimonies and me getting excited, he got frustrated with me. Pastor Amos, why are you so excited? Have you read your Bible? So, <laughs> for them, it's normal. It's in the Bible. And this is the same Jesus. He does it. So, when we talk about visions, dreams, for us, really? For them, of course. I mean, let's talk about other things. I mean, this is, this is given. Our Jesus loves Muslims. He makes a special appearance these days to Muslims. Sometimes I feel if you want to see Jesus these days, you've got to be a Muslim. It's like, a <laughs> it's like he's running a special for them, okay? <laughs> okay? Because they need it. And this is our Jesus. He loves people. He loves Muslims. He wants that 1.6 billion don't go to hell. He wants to save them. And I pray we receive his heart for them. And don't think all Muslims are against Christians and want to kill. Many of them are searching. Many of them are hungry for the true Lord. Now, about the persecution in Iran... It's a reaction. Because Christianity is growing and the government is afraid to lose control, that's why the persecution is. Actually, persecution is a good news because it shows we are winning. Christianity is growing. People are being saved and the enemy feels in danger. So they react. They, can't, they, they cannot compete with the message. Nobody can compete with Jesus. So because they cannot compete, they punch. You know, when you talk to somebody logically and they cannot answer you, what do they do? They punch you. They, they get violent. So that's why the violence in Islam, because they cannot answer. They, they have nothing compared to Jesus and the message of the gospel. So they go to violence to stop Christianity. Now, the reaction is closing the building churches like that, arresting a few hundred out of two million only a few hundred are in jail. I, I know one, even one is too many. But comparatively, there are few. There some have been killed. Again, one is too many. But the enemy wants just to bring the fear. So when they arrest somebody like, like them, they, they publicize. Okay, we arrested this Christian. And look, he, she was tortured. And now she has 10 years in jail. And hey, everybody, know. You know why we did that? Because she gathered with other Christians in a home with five others. So if you do the same, you're going to get the same. So it's a campaign of fear and intimidation. But the uh, believers in Iran don't buy that. I wanna, I'm here to tell you, by God's grace, the persecuted Christians in Iran are very strong. In faith, in boldness. I feel they need us. But many times I feel we need them. We need them to encourage us, to inspire us. There is a grace in their lives. I, I, I don't want to put ourselves down and put them up. It's just God. It's a grace of God in their lives. But they have to stick to Jesus. They have nothing else. But for us in the West, may I challenge you, for us loving Jesus, being a disciple, being serious in our faith is a choice. We're not going to die. If We're not going to lose much if we don't come to church. At least we don't feel like that. Or we don't read our Bible. So discipleship for us is an option. May I encourage you to decide to be a disciple of Christ. To be intimate with Jesus. For us is a decision. For them, there's no choice. Without that, they're going to die. Just walk with Jesus. There's nothing else. Love Jesus and be filled with his spirit. And talk to him and let him talk to you. 
The Christians in Iran are so strong. I have so many instances of how Jesus makes them strong. Again, it's Jesus. It's not them. We don't put them on pedestal. It's grace of God. I see in them. They go to jail, and I'm going to share a testimony with my sister here. But before that, let me share one of the stories. It was a young man calling our station several times a day saying, I want to talk to Pastor Omos. I want to talk to Pastor Omos. Insisted. And of course, we have home counselors and people, and they told me, there is this young man who wants to talk to you, calls, calls every day several times. I said, tell me about him. Uh, they said, well, he, he, was, he got saved when he was 19 years old through our satellite television. Never contacted us. Then he learned how to evangelize. That's what we teach on the satellite television. So he used our material to evangelize his friends and family members, and many came to Christ. Then he said, I learned from you on satellite how to start churches. That's what we do. The good thing about media, you don't have to tell. You can show. You can model. We model it. This is how a church starts, how to, how to do church. He said he, they said he learned it, and he had several house churches by the age of 22. Then he got arrested. He, they put him five and a half years in jail. Now he's 26, 27, now calling us. And he was tortured while in jail. And now he, they released him just for one week to go get medical attention. And he has still six more months for the jail term. He has to go back in six more months. And he insists to talk to you. I said, okay, next time. He calls. I want to talk to him. Next day, they said, oh, he's on the phone. I never forget that day because I was struggling in my mind, walking slowly towards my phone to talk to this young man. I thought, what, why does he want to talk to me? God, prepare me. Maybe, maybe he's going to say, uh, Pastor Almas, why? God is love, right? God is powerful, right? Why did he let me be arrested? I was just serving him. If he's powerful, why did he allow that to happen? By the way, where was God? When I was in the torture chamber, when they were torturing me, where was God? And you, Pastor Ramos, where were you? You're in America teaching us how to evangelize and start churches, and you're relatively safe, and we go out, we get in trouble. Where were you when I was being tortured? This is all going through my mind. I pick up the phone, and on the other side, there is a sweet voice. Pastor Ramos, I called to encourage you. You're doing the right thing. Continue. Do not give up. You see, he insisted to talk to me to encourage me. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? And he had to go back to jail. Continue. Don't give up. And he said, how about your jail time? Tell me. You were, to you were tortured. He said, don't worry about us. He used this word honor. He said, I had the honor of being tortured for Jesus. And he said, you know Psalm 23? I said, of course. Yeah, you've set a table before my enemies. Yeah, yeah, that verse. He said, how can you experience that verse if your enemies are not there? Then he used the word again. I had the honor of experiencing Psalm 23 in the torture chamber. My torturers were there. My sweet Jesus was there also. Our Jesus says, when he says, I will never leave and forsake you, he means it. When he says, go, Matthew 28, I will be with you to the end of the world, uh, he means it. So 
even in those jail, don't think Jesus stays out and they go. Jesus goes with them and they have experienced their visitations in, in jail. I have Mariam here. I want her to share a short testimony. of She, she, was, uh, she came to Christ in Iran and we had a part in her uh, conversion. And then she, she got arrested one time for eight days interrogation. And then for two and a half years, she was in jail for her faith. Just want to share a little bit of your testimony and, uh, and then talk about the jail time. Yeah. Go ahead. I translate. Your time. Okay. Hello, everybody. I'm glad I'm here. I was born in a very Islamic religious family. As a Muslim, I followed Islam. نماز می‌خوندم، روزه می‌گرفتم. I did fasting. اما یه چیزی تو وجودم خالی بود. But there was an emptiness in my life. و خوشحال نبودم. I wasn't happy. آرامش نداشتم. I had no peace. شاید به دلیل سختی‌های زندگی بود. Because of the life problems. ولی بعدها فهمیدم که خود خدا رو در زندگی کم دارم. But later I realized I lack God in my life. و وقتی که در چهل سالگی با عیسی آشنا شدم. I was 40 years when I met Jesus. با تمام دل قلبم رو به عیسی دادم. I gave all my heart to Jesus. و عاشق عیسی شدم. I fell in love with Jesus. و فکر می‌کردم آزادم که خدای خودم رو به هر طریقی بپرستم. I thought okay, I'm free to worship God any way I can. So it's not it's okay to be a Christian, she thought. فکر نمی‌کردم از نظر حکومت اشکالی داشته باشه. I didn't think the Islamic government would have any problem with me. اما چند ماه از ایمانم نگذشته بود که من دستگیر شدم. زمانی که دستگیر شدم من هنوز فرق فرقه های مسیحیت رو نمیدونستم. چون کتاب مقدس رو با قرآن با همدیگه مطابقت میدادم. و وقتی از من میپرسیدن که تو مسیحی پروتستانی کاتولیکی ارتدوکسی من نمیدونستم که چی هستم. When they ask me are you Catholic are you Protestant or Evangelical I didn't know what to answer. من فقط میگفتم من مسیحی ام. I just said I'm a Christian. و هشت روز در زندان بودم. I was in jail first time eight days. و وقتی که از زندان بعد از هشت روز آزاد شدم. When I was released. مصمم خواستم که مسیحیت رو بشناسم. I became even more determined to follow Christ. Watched, uh, I watched uh, Pastor Hormuz's program. I, I learned about what sin is and what salvation is. The Especially the meaning of sin. و چقدر اینکه من به عیسی بیشتر نیاز دارم. And I learned how much more I need Jesus. وقتی که به عیسی ایمان آوردم از خانواده 16 نفره من از خانواده 19 نفرم 16 نفر به عیسی ایمان آوردن. When I came to Christ I shared that with my family, my immediate family. Out of 19 people, 16 of them came to Christ. و وقتی ما دور هم جمع می شدیم خودمون یک کلیسای کوچیک بودیم. When the family gathered together, it was a church. و دعا می کردیم خدا رو می پرستیدیم. We prayed together, we worshiped God together. این بود که برای بار دوم دستگیر شدم. Uh, uh, I, I got, uh, 
uh, be, before you got married to Christ, no, but before you were arrested, uh, you, were think, uh, you were thinking if a government arrest, گفتی که اگر دولت بخواد دستی کنه این جوان ها رو میکنه because uh, she shared with me something I want you to hear because it's a background of being arrested what she was thinking and what happened وقتی که دور هم جمع بودیم دعا می کردیم در جمع ما عزیزی نبوت کرد و گفت که از این جمع یه نفر دستگیر میشه when as a family church we were gathering we were worshiping together one day one of the family members said I feel one of us is going to be arrested soon و من وقتی که شنیدم با خودم فکر کردم که قطعا من نیستم خداوند از این جوان ها استفاده میکنه یعنی من به درد کار خدا نمیخورم ولی خود من دستگیر شدم و بار دوم وقتی که دستگیر شدم بازجو به من گفتش که اگر به تو سخت میگرفتیم تو این بار نمی اومدی زندان و برای تو بار سومی وجود نداره چنانچه باز هم ادامه بدی یا در حین عبور از خیابون موتور به تو میزنه یا وقتی از زیر یه نیمه ساختمون نیمه کاره رد میشی تیراهن رو سرت میفته یعنی به این شکل میمیری if you continue in your faith you're going to be killed probably not in jail but you're walking on the street and suddenly a car hits you or other things happen to you that's how we're going to kill you not, not you here بازجو به من میگفتش که من خودم تو رو میبرم روی چارپایه خودم تناب دار و گردنت میندازم خودم چارپایه رو از زیر پات میکشم But if necessary I personally will hang you I will be put the rope around your neck and I would do uh, take, take away the chair under you I'm going to do that و اینها همه شاید بشه گفت شکنجه هایی بود که در طی بازجویی انجام میشد And these were the, all the threats during the uh, interrogation به هر حال حکم زندان رو به من دادم و من به زندان رفتم. دو سال و نیم زندان بودم. وقتی که میخواستم برم زندان قبلش خداوند با قلبم با کلام صحبت کرد. مکاشفه فصل دو در مورد کلیسای اسمیرنا. که ادعی از شما به زندان خواهید رفت. من میدونستم که زندان رفتن من به خاطر که جرمی مرتکب شدم نیست. من کار بدی نکرده بودم. و فقط قرار بود برم زندان حتما خدمتی رو انجام بدم. و خدا رو شوی خداوند در زندان از من استفاده کرد سه نفر در زندان تعمید گرفتن که سالها بعد از آزادی از زندان چجوری تعمید دادی؟ افراد قلبشون رو به ایسان میدادن دعای توبه رو میخوندن میدونستم که فهمیدن که باید تعمید بگیرن اینکه وقتی که خودشون تقاضا میکردن من به اینها میگفتم برید همون با یه ملافه سفید 
take your bed sheet, the white sheet, with you to the bathroom, to the showers. When you want to take a shower, take that white sheet with you. Because everywhere there was cameras except in the showers. و وقتی اونها میرفتن توی حموم ملافر رو روشون میکشیدن زانو میزدن توی حموم و من با لگن آب روی سرشون میگیدن و اونها رو به نام ایسا پدر پسر روح القدس تحمید و خوشحالم که یکی از اون عزیزان بعد از آزادی از زندان مبتلا به سرطان شد و مرد اما میدونم که در مسیح خوابیده و خداوند برای خدمت من رو به زندان فرستاد و در تمام مدتی که در زندان بودم کاملا حضور خدا رو با خودم داشتم از خداوند میشنیدم When I was in jail, uh, I, would, I would feel the presence of God. I could hear him talking to me. So that two and a half years, I was in the presence of God. With all the hardship. But all the bitterness. When I was released, مجددن بازجویی که بار اول منو دستگیر کرده بود به من تلفن زد. The person who interrogated me called me. و به من گفت که اگر بخوای فعالیت های گذشته تو ادامه بدی پروندت دست من هست Christ, و این برای من باز تهدید بود و کما اینکه کلیسا ها هم بسته شده بود و وقتی من از زندان آزاد شدم کلیسای شبکه‌ای کشیش هرمز رو دنبال می‌کردم so روزای جمعه The church on, on television, Pastor Homos's church on, on television. And I was blessed by it. I left Iran. I was in Turkey for four and a half years. And last year I came to US. I'm glad I'm here today. And I want you as my brothers and sisters in Christ. Pray for the persecuted brothers and sisters in Iran. Because they don't have freedom to worship. They have no church. They cannot gather and worship God freely. شما آزادانه بتونن در کلیسا باشن و با شادی خدا رو بپرستن خداوند به شما برکت بده خوشحالم خدا نگرد This is just this morning. She said, you know, life in America is harder than life in Iran in a jail. In, in, the, in terms of experiencing God, it's harder here. And I know that's true, but it's, our, it's up to us how open 
we are to the Lord. Sometimes we don't feel our need. They feel their need. Do, our, do we feel our need for Jesus? Do we intentionally love Jesus and receive his love? I pray the church in America continue to be strong and be impactful around the world. So what is the future of Iran? Here is the situation. A, a nation ready for Christ, but the government of Iran is anti-Christian. And uh, the churches are closed. You cannot gather. You get arrested. How do we help those people? Iran has the fastest growing evangelical population in the world. It's uh, two to three million believers in Iran, but they're isolated. They are prisoners in their homes. How do we work in this environment? I'm glad you asked. It is, it is through satellite television. Now, but the question is, how, what's the future? Through this satellite, through the media, through what God is doing, what will happen in Iran? And I'm glad to tell you, Iran, according to Jeremiah 49, 38, I will set my throne in Elam. God has said this. We don't have to speculate. Oh, what is going to happen in Iran? What's going to happen? No, we know Iran is going to be a Christian country. It's going to be a Christian nation. Why? Not because I say, because the Bible says that. Jeremiah 49, 38. I will set my throne in Iran. And it's happening today. I want to encourage you. Pray for that nation. It's an open door to the whole Middle East. It's a Normandy <laughs> of the Islamic world. We, will go, we are going there. People are ready. People are welcoming us. And through Iran, the whole Middle East will be saved. When he says, I will set my throne in Iran, it is not just a few churches, a few believers. It's an impact over the whole society. That's what's happening in Iran. Iranians are not just sick and tired of Islam. They're sick and tired of themselves. They want a change. They say our society needs to be changed. And you know what? It's Jesus who changes lives. He changes the societies. The answer is in our hands. The answer is in the Bible. The answer is in our mouth. If we don't speak, if we don't speak, we are betraying our, our Lord because that word is powerful to change lives. So what we do, we, we have a live church broadcast. She mentioned that. We, there are three, two, three million believers in Iran, no church. So this is a, uh, our studio in McKinney. By the way, come and visit us. We are right around the corner. We do live church service. And many, God knows, hundreds of thousands, maybe even more, they consider this their church and they consider us the pastor. This is not for name, just so we feel good. Oh, we have such a big church. No, no. It's a God's grace so we can have an impact in these people's lives. When somebody says, this, you are my church and you're my pastor, that's a responsibility. It means I can now touch your life. Now I can lead you. Now I can teach you. Did you know number one request the persecuted church in Iran? Just guess. I think you're going to be wrong. <laughs> you know, number one request they ask us when they contact. Those millions who are in their homes, isolated and prisoners in their homes. Number one request, would you teach us? We have no church. We have no pastors, no teachers. Would you teach us through media? They, when we have church, the other side, they, they put their chairs like that, even rows, and they tithe, and they worship with us. They have church in their homes. And when, and this is the privilege, when I teach them something, they go and do it. 
You know, I had pastor, I was a pastor in California. I planted several churches. Sometimes I felt those people in Iran are following me and obeying me more than the, my members here, you know. And it, it, it is a hunger there. Teach us, not just teach us to have uh, increase our knowledge. Teach us because we want to follow Jesus. We want to serve Jesus. We, through television, we are not just uh, entertainment. You know, when I say television, you may think it's a Western television. No, no, no. It's a lifeline. With television, we evangelize. Here is a church. They gather, they watch, and then we lead them. Would you pray with each other? Study the Bible together. But we are planting underground churches in Iran and picking the top leaders and investing in their lives, even personally. We bring some of them outside and uh, do a face-to-face -face training. Now, Iran is ready. Let's make history. This is my challenge to you. Would you pray and would you join where God is working? God is working among Muslims. You hear all these bad news about Muslims everywhere. You think, yeah, and nobody has solution, right? You know, well, Islam is doing this, all the terrorism and the nuclear bomb and all this and this. And, and we, the world does not have a solution. The only solution is let's attack him, let's kill him. That's the only solution. But you think if you ask God, God, do you have a plan for Muslims? What is your plan? You think God would say, I don't know. I know what to do. <laughs> God has a plan, and he is doing it. Our job is to find out what God is doing and just join him. He wants the Middle East to be impacted by the gospel, and the open door is Iran. I challenge you. Would you be in touch with us? I want to encourage you not only pray. We are in McKinney. I want to invite you to be a part of the ministry. Maybe volunteer. Maybe a guest on the program. Okay? If you're... I, I'm not just bringing pastors on the program. I want businessmen on the program to teach the business people in Iran how to be a godly businessman. I want the government people to tell them, oh yeah, I'm a, I'm a part of the government. This is how I'm a Christian in my environment. I want mothers to be there. I want the educators to be there. But if you, your background, you can come and minister with us. And also another prayer is, would you prayerfully consider supporting? I'm, I'm praying for this church. I've, I've done it for many years because this church, awesome heart for nations. And here is an open door. I'm praying for a, for a pioneer spirit. People who would say, okay, there is area that not many people know and very few people are working there, which is Iran, and we want to be a pioneer. We want to be the first. We want to impact there because through Iran, the whole Middle East will be impacted. Would you pray about that? And I'm challenging you and I'm challenging this church. Would you be a pioneer in piercing the darkness of Islam with the light of the gospel? Go through the open door, open gates, in Iran, and not just transform Iran, but transform the whole Middle East. Father, I'm so thankful for your grace. You not only saved us, you called us to be your children. You called us to be your co-workers, Lord God. We are honored. We are honored, Lord. Lord, make your church vibrant and awake. You said, while it is day, work, because the night comes, O Lord, Lord, Lord. Thank you.